Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Chapter 10, verse number 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, that's all the law was. It was just a shadow and not the very image of the things. Everybody got that, right? Law couldn't do anything but serve as a shadow according to this verse. And then it says, can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. You can do it year after year, and it's going to be the same result at the end of the year. God's demand for righteousness would not have been met. Nobody in the Old Testament had their soul saved by keeping the law. We're going to see that very clearly tonight. Look at verse number two. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. As New Testament saints, how does God ask us to remember his blood that was shed and how our sins were paid for by his shed blood on Calvary's tree? As New Testament saints, we do that through the Lord's Supper. That is an ordinance that God gave to his New Testament church. And if a church is not remembering that, then they are failing to function as a New Testament church. But that's us as saints. But not Old Testament saints. You know what they did that caused them to remember that they were sinners? As a matter of fact, sin was always at their forefront. Why? Because they got to make a sacrifice. Think about living back in the Old Testament. When you're making a sacrifice as a Jew to God, you are reminding yourself just how much of a sinner you are. That's what they were for, to remind them that they were a sinner. Verse 4. But it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Completely 100% impossible for sins to be taken away any other way except the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an exclusive way. Verse 5, wherefore when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou what it's not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices, for sin thou hast no pleasure. Nothing is going to please God. And nobody is clearing title until Jesus Christ dies and shed his blood sheds his blood on Calvary's tree and offers the one-time perfect sacrifice. And until that's done, 
Nobody's got a clear title. Keep reading. Then, verse number seven, said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Now, let's, let's see what God's will is. It's going to be pretty clear. Above when he said, sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldst not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. The will of God has always been. The end of verse nine, he taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. What's the will of God? The Lord Jesus Christ was completely in agreement and alignment and equal with God the Father's will. That human, that mankind would be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that one-time sacrifice paid it all. That's what we're dealing with. Now, how does that relate to Old Testament saints? Well, we're talking about David tonight. You know what David needed? The offering of Christ's body. You know what David didn't have when he died? The offering of Christ's body. Because nobody before the cross had the offering of Christ's body. That one-time sacrifice wasn't paid. You know, David committed adultery and murder. Both of those, according to Old Testament law, let's, let's look at it. Let's look at it in Leviticus 20. David, David had no sacrifice that he could offer to cover that sin. Because Levitical law says in verse number 10, Leviticus 20, verse number 10, it says, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. David should have died. According to Levitical law, look at Leviticus 24. Leviticus chapter 24, verse number 17. And he that killeth any man shall surely be put to death. Well, David committed both. That's a double death sentence. And there wasn't a sacrifice he could have offered. David was not saved by keeping the law. David broke the law. You know why he wasn't put to death? God's grace. God's grace. Grace and truth come by Jesus Christ. We read that in the New Testament. That in no way means that grace didn't show up before Jesus showed up in a body of flesh 
on this earth. There's always been grace. And David is a prime example of that. You don't have to turn there, but Second Samuel, when Nathan confronted David, David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Why didn't David have to die? Because the Lord put it away. He couldn't have put it away. But the Lord can. Go back to Hebrews. Look at verse. Well, go to chapter 11. One little verse. 32. See Hebrews 11 at the end of verse 32. It says that David also. And list some others in there. But look at verse 33. Who through faith. Subdued kingdoms. Brought righteousness. Obtained promises. Stopped the mounts of lions. Quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight. Turned to flight the armies of the alien. What I want you to see here in Hebrews 11. David, through faith, was saved by God's grace. And he didn't have to die because God's grace stepped in. So, we all, we, we all on the same page. We all got all that. I know that was a lot of information, but let's go. Now, let's go back to the Psalms and see what we can what we can learn in Psalm 32. Psalm 32. And get Romans 4, because I'd like us to look at these together. Psalms 32, and then Romans 4. Watch this Psalm of David here. Psalm 32, it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Do we see any mention of good works? No. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. Do we see any mention of animal sacrifices? That'd be a no. When I kept silence, my bones whacked old through the, my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. David sees himself as a guilty sinner. It's the same principle for us. We try to get lost people to see themselves as a guilty sinner. And before we came to Christ, we had to see that about ourselves. It doesn't matter what David did or didn't do. It doesn't matter what you and I do or don't do. God chose to forgive David's sin because he's a gracious God. 
And this lost and dying world has to get, they have to get out of their head the mindset of, here's what I've done, or here's what I haven't done. Because it really doesn't matter. Well, I've done all these good things. Yeah, but that doesn't impress the Lord. Well, I've done all these bad things, so I can't come to the Lord. No, God says, look, both, both people have to come to God and say, I am sin. God is ready to forgive by his grace. Go to the New Testament book of Romans. I ask you to turn there. We're going to cross-reference that and then get Psalms 51. Since you're in Psalms 32, just jump ahead. Get your finger at Psalms 51. And then we'll go from Romans 4. We'll move on to Psalm 51 after that. In Romans 4, look at verse... Five, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now watch the comparison. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness, period. No, it qualifies that imputed righteousness with these two key words without works we can't bring anything to god god imputed righteousness without works so the new testament tells us that the old testament saints and david is the example the new testament tells us that david in the old testament had God's imputed righteousness without what? Works. Without keeping the law. Verse number seven, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. You know what David had? He had his sins forgiven. And David had his sins covered. Psalms 51. Keep that in the back of your mind. He had his sins forgiven and covered. Psalms 51. This is David's prayer of contrition. Might even say that somewhere in your Bible, depending on what you what you've got there. But we'll look at verse number one. Bible says, Have mercy upon me, O God. I mean, if you're trying to be saved by keeping the law, that's a pretty vain appeal. Right? Have mercy upon me, O God. He's not bringing nothing to God. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. If you have a God that's merciful, and I have a God that's gracious, that heart cry makes complete sense, doesn't it? Sinners are asked to cry out to a God who is full of grace and mercy. 
That's who we're asking them to cry out. Verse number three, for I acknowledge my, uh, verse number two, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. David's got no list of laws that he's bringing to God. David is simply acknowledging, look, Lord, I have nothing to offer you. Verse four, against thee, the only have I sinned, he admits he's a sinner, and done this evil in thy sight, he admits he's evil, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Justification here is not in reference to man, it's in reference to God, saying God is, God is the just one here. God is the justifier here. It says, behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Now, this is a very interesting verse in consideration of this is, a, this is David crying out to God. He's sinned against God. He's committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had Bathsheba's husband killed. He's an adulterer and a murderer. And this is the verse where he says, Lord, go way, 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 way back before I committed adultery and murder. And I see that I'm, I'm a sinner. That's key. That is David going before God confessing himself as nothing but a wretched sinner. And you know why that's key? Because it's not like you and I have to go back and let's find out the biggest explosion that happened in our life, like the biggest big sin that we wish we could go back and erase. You know, David's sin, look, God removed it, <laughs> but it's printed in the Bible. I mean, everybody is reading about how awful, the awful thing that David did with Bathsheba and, and then murdering her, her husband. It's awful. But what's key about this verse, look, he's got this big explosion of a sin that everybody heard about and everybody knows about. We all read about. But David says, I'm going back further than that, Lord. Forget about the big blow-up. I have been a sinner long before that. I'm, I was shaping in iniquity. And we can learn from David as far as Christians do this all the time. They look back in their past and say, you know, I'm so this, I'm so that. I did this, I did that. As if, as if if they didn't do that, they would somehow be in better standing with God. You've got God's imputed righteousness or you don't. David's not giving you a license to sin. God's not giving you a license to sin. I'm not giving you a license to sin. All I'm saying is David messed up in a big way. And he said, Lord, even way before that, I'm wicked. Verse number seven. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter 
than snow. Do you see here that David is not trying to offer a Levitical sacrifice? He is not. He is going to God and he is seeking cleansing from God. Old Testament saints, they kept some laws, they kept some ordinances. Look, they did, they did those things. It didn't save, it didn't save their soul. It didn't save their soul. They came to God by faith. And God's always been gracious, ready to forgive sinners. And he's always been ready to cover their sin. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Who's doing that? Who is doing? Who is David? Who is David asking to do that? God. He's not bringing anything. God cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee he's not looking to This is a great verse, 14. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. What is causing David to sing here? The righteousness of God. That is his cause for sinning. He's asking for the righteousness of God. Verse 15. O Lord, open thou my lips. And my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Again, the cause is God's righteousness. For thou desirest not sacrifice. Else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. He, he tells us right here, I'm not expecting that from you, David. God expects from David the same thing he expects from us. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. That's what God accepts. And you are trusting in the mercy of God and the grace of God, just like David as our Old Testament example. Verse 18, do good in thy pleasure unto Zion, build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shall thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks unto thine altar. When was God pleased with the sacrifices offered to him? God was pleased with those sacrifices when those people first put their trust in God from their heart.
So that's the most important question. Is your heart right with God? Then we'll accept those sacrifices and offer. Okay, so for example, let's break it down for us as New Testament saints. We can come to church. We can give. We can put money in the offering box. We can sing hymns to God. And we can do that thinking that that will, that will make us right to God. You see God? You see the sacrifices I'm doing for you? And God says, no. Another set of people do those same things. They come to church. They give. They sing praise. They go out and they, they do the same exact things. But those things are done with a different motive than the first group. They've already placed their faith and trust in God. Their heart is right before God. And they're not doing those things to merit righteousness. They're just thankful and grateful for what God has imputed unto them. His own righteousness imputed to their account. And God says, I'll accept that sacrifice. That's pleasing to God. It's not for salvation. It's because your heart is right before God. You've received his imputed righteousness. Now I want to live a life that's holy and sacrificial unto the Lord. Make sense? David, it's the same thing being pictured here in Psalms 51. But we'll close with. With these two passages, go to Acts 2. Acts 2. And we'll wrap up this thought here. But this verse here says, Acts 2. Verse 34. Acts 2, 34. For David is not ascended into the heavens. Wait a minute. I thought David's sins were covered. Yes, they were. I thought David's sins were forgiven. Yes, they were. We read all that. We understand all that. But did Jesus, when he came on the scene, God the Son, did he say, I am the way? the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We all know John 14, 6, right? But when David died, did Jesus offer himself a sacrificial payment? He didn't. So David had his sins covered. David had his sins forgiven because God is gracious and God is merciful. Bible also says, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. You've got to enter in through the Lord Jesus Christ. So what happened to David and all the Old Testament saints? They died in faith. They didn't suffer any, nothing. There was no punishment, eternal punishment, hell, none of that. They suffered none of that. But their sins still were not paid for. Jesus paid it all. 
But when David died and Old Testament saints died, Jesus didn't pay it. So they had their sins covered and forgiven. Now watch, last verse, 34, Exodus 34. They died in faith, went to Abraham's bosom. And we did a whole series on the, the timeline from Christ's death to resurrection. But he, he, he led those saints from paradise. And then after the blood was shed, Christ died, rose again. Uh, but we have all that laid out. We don't want to go. I go too far down that road. We'll get tied up there. But I do want to bring this home with this verse, Exodus 34. Because it's in specific relation to what we're talking about. Look at verse 4. Exodus 34. Verse 4. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning. Just, just a note here. You had, you had some originals that were gone. And now you've got to redo. What language was that in? I, I don't know. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you got a you got a you got another translation. You got an original that's gone, and now you've got a redo, and it's still God's word. It's still God's word, 100. percent Like unto the person Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto Mount Sinai. As the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And now this is a key verse. This is a promise from God. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. See that? God promises in the midst of Exodus and the law and Moses and all the tables of stone, in the midst of all of that, God gives a promise and says, look, I am gracious, I am merciful, I am long-suffering, and I will forgive sins because that is the character of who I am. You know what else he says? And that will by no means clear the guilty. I will forgive you. And I will cover your sins, Old Testament saints. But you are guilty. And your title will not clear. Until I am the way, the truth, and the life pays it off. So what happened to Old Testament saints and David? As our example, they were saved by God's grace. They trusted God. They believed God at his word, what he said. David was repentant. David brought nothing to God except a contrite heart and a humble heart. He repented of the fact that he was a sinner and he put his faith and trust that God would be merciful 
and God would be gracious. And God imputed his righteousness to David. He covered his sins. He forgave his sins. But David, just like every person that died, every saint that died before the cross, can in no wise clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and children's children, third, fourth generation. Because Jesus didn't pay it all. And after Christ died and shed his blood, now the guilty can be made clear and they can clear title. And all those Old Testament saints that were in Abraham's bosom in paradise, guess where they went? To be with the Lord in heaven. Abraham, like we looked at last week, David, like we looked at this, this evening, they are our Old Testament examples that it is by grace. And all sinners now can look to David and see that he put his faith in God to be merciful and gracious. What do we ask sinners to do? Look to God. Know that he is a merciful and gracious God. And don't allow sinners to get you derailed and have them talk you into believing that they're too bad to come to God or they're too good and they don't need your God. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.